Hey, it's Ronnie from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. How would you like to join us in creating great conversations that inspire and connect? Patreon is a membership platform that provides a way for creators like us to build relationships and provide exclusive experiences to subscribers or patrons. So we've been self-financed since we got off the ground in 2016. But in order to continue to fully invest all we can in each episode, we need your patronage. For more information, please go to patreon.com forward slash above the basement. On Your Feet is a story of rhythm and resilience. It covers the lives of Gloria and Emilio Estefan to and through their success, setbacks, and also love. The foundation is, of course, built on music, and at its core is the legendary Miami Sound Machine. So we sat down with George Casas and Clay Oswald, two of the original members of the Miami Sound Machine. These guys helped bring the iconic songs to the Broadway stage, and they've been doing it really well over the last two years. Sitting in today for Chuck at the Boston Opera House is our friend and co-host, Ike Walker. We talk about this tour and the transition of pop and Latin jazz to the theater itself. The accident that changed everything and the recovery and success of a, quote, crossover Cuban-American sound that Gloria Emilio and the Miami Sound Machine brought to the whole world. So you can check out On Your Feet at the Boston Opera House through April 29th, 2018. And so here is our conversation with Clay Oswald and George Casas, recorded at the Boston Opera House in Boston, Massachusetts. Really, from the perspective of someone that just saw it a few hours ago, I expected energy, but I didn't expect this energy. And so it's always nice to exceed those expectations. Well, we love to hear that. I mean, the show, uh, obviously people come in with certain expectations to any show. We've had great results in exit polls and things like that on Broadway and on our traveling tour, where people go out with a lot better of a response, much more positive than they went in with, and that's a really good sign. It's a, It's been an extremely effective show. It works every night, and people mm-hmm. go out of there with a lot of uh, a good energy, good response, and yeah. uh, a, a inspiration. So I'm, I'm curious, I know, you know you've been on tour with this show for a while now. Um, last night was opening night in Boston. Can you really feel the difference of an opening night crowd? Like, is it really distinctive? Oh yeah. You know, you can tell it's opening night for we, them? I, yeah, yeah, for sure. There certainly are surprises. I mean, we've even in certain cities from night to night, we get um, like slight differences to like what they react to one night as opposed to another night. Sometimes that can be a surprise, but uh, opening night is usually an expecting crowd. They're expecting to be excited, and that that helps. We can usually tell, and the actors can tell right away, like in the first 
when the, when the first meeting of Gloria and Emilio come on, on the scene right after the opening, they can usually tell how the crowd's going to be. Yeah. Just yeah. by the way they laugh at those little moments. And in, in Miami, there was great reactions to everything because there's so many yeah. little Miami moments in the show where there's a radio station or a nightclub mentioned or something like that. And the people in Miami yeah. would just go, I win! You know, they would scream. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were so excited I would to imagine. Be, to be locally uh, familiar with all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would think that when you're up there, it starts with music, and you see the Miami Sound Machine. You see the actual Miami Sound Machine. Initially, when I heard that, I thought about what was going on in your mind the first time you did this. Now, certainly you guys have been doing this for a couple of years now. I can't help but think about the moment or that first run <laughs> and what it was like for you guys. I was, yeah. just happy. I was happy to have a job. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing because... Um, right, so there's the practical <clears throat> yeah, 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 and then the emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, right, right. But hopefully the two go hand in hand. I mean, yeah. we've been, I mean, our history, we'll talk about a little more, goes way back, but we've been working as a band with Gloria for 31 years, which we can also talk about. <laughs> but we're very proud that the music we've done has always been intended to not only inspire the crowd, but to have us enjoy it. We've never done something just to make the crowd, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, let's yeah. do something just to make them happy. We've always been out there to enjoy what we do. So the music has enough character and spontaneity to be authentic to us so that we've always enjoyed going out there and starting a concert with something that, that makes us feel like, yeah, we've, right. we, we've got mm-hmm, it, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so now, kind of like rebooting the career of Gloria and rebooting our career in this way, we go out there every night with that intention of like, okay, the second we hit it, we're hitting it. And yeah. the, the cast and the actors, they better come along with us because we're taking them on a ride. And, and that's, the, that's the attitude we have every night. And the cast and the, and the crew always, always get it. They're always with us 100%, if not more. And that's, I think, driving all of us every night. So yeah, we enjoy it. It never becomes a monotonous, totally repetitive job for us. We really do enjoy it uh, every time. That's great. I, you know, I was, I was an actor in, in high school. I always felt like doing two or three or four shows was never enough. I always wanted more performances. So it was always sort of mm-hmm. a dream to me to be able to do a show you know, mm-hmm. every night, you know, eight yeah. shows a week or whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm sure it's very tiring too, yeah. but like there's just yeah. such great energy to perform. And, yeah. and, you know, when you're on yeah. tour, I imagine that, you know, the audience is sort of fresh in every city or, or a little different in a way that just being, you know, in New York for a year is different than, yeah. than traveling around. The other thing about that is everyone says, well, how, you know, don't you get tired of playing this music for so long? You know, this isn't music that we just are hired to play. It's not a New York, New York at a wedding you know, 300 times a year. We're playing our music that we've worked on for so long and we've, re- we've played it for so many years. Yeah. And I don't know how anyone could complain about, about doing that and say, well, it's just the same old songs again. This is stuff we care about that we wrote that we're proud yeah. of and people are enjoying it. I mean, for two and a half hours every night, if you can't do that and enjoy it, yeah. you've got yeah. to, you should do something else. You know, <laughs> you really should. Well, and, the right. thing, and the thing is, there, there are moments when it becomes a routine, you know. You can let it be a routine. You, you, you're not supposed to, really. But the thing that saves it for me, and the, what I tell people and the guys and whatever, is that every night that you play, all the people out there have no, have never seen you and seen this. If this is the first time for them. So they're paying an admission, and they're sitting down. This might be our 300th show, but it's their first. 
So we are we so we have to you know if you have to be that person. we have to be that person. That's acting. That's what acting is all about as mm-hmm. well. You got to turn it on. You know, right there, bang, here it is. You know, and, and and we want you to hear what we got for you. It's it's yeah. on a few levels, George. It's, it's interesting to hear you say that of all people too, because you're a bass player. Yeah, and we had the opportunity to talk several months ago with Leland Sklar. Oh yeah, and who I'm sure you've oh, met yeah. in the past. Yeah. Or, he said the same thing. He said on tour with Phil Collins, James Taylor, and the whole lineup he's been with over yeah. 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It may be the 300th show. It may be the same exact way he even he's played a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there'll be some subtleties in the bass playing that he will change maybe just for himself or maybe it's subconscious. Who knows? But every time he's thinking about that guy or that girl mm-hmm. yeah. that's never heard that's this right. song before. That's right. I mean, it's obviously just a coincidence is because you're both bass players. And on players, my instrument, it's a little bit e- easier because, you know, if I play horns, you have to play exactly the same thing and, and breathe the same way and cut off the same. That's what horn players do. And they're in a they, section. And they're in a section, so they're playing yeah. together as part of a, a trio. If you are uh, percussion, drums, I mean, even piano, all the instruments are, are like that. But on bass, I, I can play a, a groove a bunch of different ways and still keep it the same. You know what I mean? Right. Still keep the same integrity of the song. Song. And if it goes too far, and if I go too far, we keep each other in yeah, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, and also and I have to say, happens, the yeah. music mm-hmm. that we have worked on for so many, for so long, has spontaneity kind of built into it. Yeah. This is not formulaic music. It has elements of improvisation, elements yeah. of jazz, elements of things in it that are intentional. And so when we right. play, we have yeah. some flexibility. But this is what's you so know. fascinating to me in sitting there last night is because you just hit the nail on the head. It's that Latin jazz-based mm-hmm. yes with pop, but that perfect culmination of music where you have room for the spaces in there between the sections to do a little bit of subtle re, uh, mm-hmm. improv. But the irony is that you're in theater. Right. Right? Yeah, and absolutely. That there's so much scripted that has to happen. That's right. How was that transformation for you guys? I have to give due credit to Gloria and Emilio for making sure that we were in place to make sure the music was authentic and was created and represented in the right way. They really wanted this musical to represent what our music is about. What happens with our music is that we all have jazz vocabulary. We're all based in our music in jazz. The Miami Sound Machine guys that are in the band, the five of us, we all came out of that tradition of jazz. Before we started playing Latin, and I mean, he, he grew up in, in uh, Puerto Rico and Cuba and understanding that tradition more than yeah. me. But we came out of a jazz tradition vocabulary-wise. And what I mean by that is the melodic, rhythmic understanding of how things are supposed to feel, how they're supposed to be created, and the lines that are there. We share that jazz understanding. And Gloria knew that when she hired us. Right. The music reflected that from when we started producing, writing, and arranging uh, the music. And the show, I think, has that element in it, too. And she wanted that to be there. It wasn't an accident. And I think that clearly translates to everything else. When the audience hears it, when the singers hear it, when the dancers dance, they're all kind of knowing that that's part of the palette of what's going on. And it works really well. The spontaneity is part of what makes the audience yeah. react with this, like, oh, it's really happening now. You know, it's, yeah. it's not formulaic, really. Right. There are parts that are, of course. But Ron was there for opening night last night. I haven't gotten 
gotten to see the show yet. Oh, I'm, you need I'm, to get I'm in. Looking, I'm looking forward to it. But I was in New York last night. So I'm curious. I know, you know, we were just talking about the spontaneity. I know in a lot of musicals, you know, there's things going on on stage that are very closely timed to the music. So I wonder if there's a lot a of lot. things that you have to do that are have to be sort of all exactly the, on time. All oh, the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a combination of that spontaneity, but also. In fact, absolutely. In fact, that's what, that's one thing we had to get used to because yeah. I don't think any of us have ever done like a Broadway musical. That's no. the last thing to do. That You know, we played everything. We've done this, blah, blah, blah. But it's not like the music comes is in second place or, or or first place or anything like that. But the storytelling is that's yeah. it. That's what you have to put across. Yeah. So you have to support that, but at the same time, time yeah, shine and yes. know when to shine. Know when, with, yeah, without and, going over yeah. there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a really interesting yeah. uh, thing to watch on stage, and I think that the yeah. directors and Gloria and Emilio and you guys, of course, do a fantastic job in that balance. It is really rare to see a quote-unquote real band, an iconic band, that's actually playing their own musical. Well, there's this challenge. The big challenge we have, and we've always had, is that Broadway and theater is obviously a different medium than than, than it is if you go out and do a concert and you play and you're you're in front, blah, blah, blah. Our challenge has been, since the beginning, to be able to sound somewhere like a concert that kind of sound, rich sound, which is not used on Broadway. Yeah. It's incidental. Everything else is, is, is up front. That's a, been our challenge up to now because all the sound men and all the people and all the crew people that they hire, especially dealing with sound, yeah. they're used to not having the band present like we want it to be present because yeah. that's the only way it's going to get to the people. You're literally out of the pit. I mean, you guys are right We're out the of face. the pit, and so that's the challenge that we're having. Like, You yeah. know what I mean? We're and many, having, many yeah. audiences are also, they don't like you know, the volume and it's yeah. too much. But there is a fine line between being powerful and having the effect of, oh, it's a concert in this scene, yeah. And then uh, not having people be uncomfortable yeah. in their seats. Take us back a little bit, if you will, the company. And when I mean the company, for people listening to the podcast, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the group that you guys started and coined maybe 80? Yeah, it actually existed before then. But yeah. our band, I joined a band that George was already a member of and in 19. 19- 81? Yeah. We met in college in 1980. In 79, (laughs) I came to college as a 17-year-old kid from Colorado. Uh, Very first day in college, I met John Cicada as, as a classmate. I think I met you that same year, but maybe yeah. not right away. But Probably not. Yeah, 1980. Then we played in, yeah. a, uh, we, we were in classes together in college. And we immediately formed a circle of friends, obviously in college at the University of Miami Studio Music and Jazz Program that was thriving and very successful program there. George had a band and I joined the band in 1981, probably, yeah. that had John Cicada was a singer, Joy Francis, our, our female singer, and then two horn players and four rhythm section players. Five members from that band uh, were eventually hired in 1986 to be the um, Miami Sound Machine band from 1986 on. John Defaria on guitar, Robert Rodriguez on drums, George Casas, Clay Oswald, me, and uh, Ed Kaye, saxophone player. That nucleus of the band has really been present. John Defaria and George and I wrote music together. We wrote Get On Your Feet together. John was a wonderful uh, member of the band. Yeah. Um, and Mike Scaglione soon came along, and he's with us on the show now. Teddy Moulet was already in the band. Teddy was in the band, the trombone player. The Miami Sound Machine band. So he's Just still with a us. A month, few months before, yeah. yeah. And really, the nucleus of Miami Sound Machine has been present since 1980, 85, 86 together, going on 32 years. 
Mm-hmm. And I always say I like to defy anyone to tell me they know of a successful band that's worked together every year. And now with a new and chapter, too. But with this thing, it's, like, it's, it's crazy to think that she's, she's had like a hit like Renacer, which is a pop ballad, typical, to get on your feet, to Pitierra, yeah. to Conga. It's just kind yeah. of all over the different place. Different genres, yeah. Yeah, it's different genres, but it's all been, it's all been somehow consistent with the... Uh, you know the, the thread of it because of, I, well, guess I think we, you're right yeah. i think the th- you know. i think the word crossover was used back in the 80s and it was used in the play last in the yeah, musical just, yeah. which is kind of a funny word in 2018 the crossover yeah it doesn't it's more of a contrived concept yeah. when it's a corporate concept right. for marketing right. when really i mean the music that you just described is pop it's latin it's groove it's salsa it's mm-hmm. jazz and it all comes together to form a sound. Right. They're the elements of a unique sound, but what I think was really interesting to see is that is how that connects to that scene when the character playing Emilio goes to the corporate executive and they have the crossover talk and there's that heated tension and he finally culminates with a round applause and it says you're looking at an American right now. Mm-hmm. Or what was the actual line? This is what an American, whether you know it or not, this is what an American looks like. Yeah, and the yeah. crowd roars. Yeah. You know, always, it, they always do, it's amazing. And the theatricality of mm-hmm. that really heightens it, of course. But that, to me, really speaks to this age. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I give a lot of credit to Alex Dillonars, the writer of the yes, book, who... I'm glad you said, yeah. who uh, you know, the first day that I walked in and we sat down around a table and had the very first time we read through Alex's script, that dialogue was in that script word for word as it was 2014. I heard it and I was just like, wow, that's pretty cool. I've never heard that quite that way. Yeah. That moment in the play, you know, is very interesting because racism, cultural differences, all those things are always with us. But there's a conversation going on now that's in the public and it's very important and it's very crucial to how we see our country, how we see political issues, how we see economic issues. And, you know, like I said, it's always been around, but there's a conversation going on that I think is, is very important. And Alex really hits it on the head with yep. that moment because mm-hmm. here's a person who is an immigrant, which we ultimately all are in this country. Yeah, but depends here's a, on timing. Here's some, it's depending on timing. Here's an immigrant who's coming in and has worked hard and paid his taxes and all those things that are in the play, you'll see. And he deserves and wants and strives and works hard to be part of the American dream. To be treated like that. To be treated correctly the way that Americans supposed to be set up for. And here's a person of power in a corporate situation telling him, well, you're not good enough to be one of us yet. And he has to confront him as his boss. And say, knowing that, wait that, a minute, wait a minute, exactly. Wait a minute. Stand up to the man, yeah. but knowing that the man is going to be the one that signs exactly. something you've been working on your whole life. Yeah. I think in all credit to Emilio, he, he fought a lot of controversy. Because I remember when Conga came out, the company didn't, I mean, this is just before we came in, like a few months probably before, right? They didn't see it like he saw it. Yeah. They thought this is never, never going to work. You know, and of course, before that, years before, Santana was the the crossover Latino that was made it huge, right? It already had been done somewhere, like in the blues rock era. But he he faced that moment, and I don't know what he said. He probably didn't say he does that. Emilio doesn't talk that way. <laughs> but but he he must have confronted it, and over he must and have pushed over, yeah. that, and he must have. Yeah. And he actually is the one who pushed that. We got to give him credit for 
for that. I mean, he, he knew. Absolutely. He, I, I don't know. Yes. Whether or not he knew, he felt right. very inspired to make sure that he yeah. continued down that. He was very, he is very persistent. Yeah. Gloria, like in the play, Gloria was much more interested in just playing her music and, and enjoying the, the art of the music, you know, whether it was Spanish or English or whatever. She would only really get involved in those discussions when she was strongly felt strongly opposed to something. And when you see that in the play too, she'll stand up and say, no, we have a contract. Those kind of things are very Gloria-ish. That's true, yeah. She will stay out of it and just be very, I want to play my music, but when she's confronted with something that isn't right, she will strongly stand up for that too. Mm -hmm. But it was always Emilio going to the company saying, no, 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 this is going to work. Trust me, trust me. And for that, he deserves incredible amounts of credit. Yeah, yeah, sure. Later, looking back in retrospect, yeah. Conga is such a prototypical 80s song. Like yeah, it's like of course. The, you know, when it first comes on, it's like it's such a sound of the time. It's yeah. hard to imagine Absolutely. now that that was controversial. But Absolutely. that's right. That's right. But Absolutely. it's also, I, you know, I was thinking of that as a, as a song on stage because when I was in high school, one of the theater warm ups I would do sometimes is we would just say the lyrics of the, the chorus of Conga. Oh, really? Because it was a nice one to try to do very fast yeah, and, you know, yeah. try to enunciate. Well, um, we are yeah. in the presence of the iconic band of the Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> Guys, let's take it. Ike, get on the microphone. What are we doing? We're doing conga? We're doing the words. All right, let's see if I can remember it. <laughs> All right. Come on, everybody, baby, do the conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, everybody, can you do the conga tonight? That's a pretty good try. That's pretty good. I know, pretty stronger, good. stronger. Come on, shake your body, baby, do shake the conga. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. you try? Uh, <laughs> no, you can't control yourself <laughs> any longer. Yes. Feel the rhythm of the music, music. getting stronger. Don't you fight it till you try to do the conga beat. The conga beat, yeah. And uh, there's a little pause. Conga there beat, yeah. 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 Ah, exactly. that's that accent at the end. I never yeah. knew what they said. The conga, conga beat, beat. yeah. Okay. Yes. And then and this uh, was not rehearsed, by the way. Ike, very yeah. good job. Thank that you. was written by Kiki Garcia. Kiki Garcia, Garcia. the first drummer. Yeah, yeah. it was a. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. Yes, brilliant. and uh, yeah, and that's like the the rhyme structure there is so great. I was listening to the the Kanye West song "Stronger," sort of reminds me of that because mm-hmm. he sort of does the same thing of playing, huh. you know. Mm-hmm. And stronger rhymes with conga, rhymes with longer. Yeah, and he might. I know you can't wait much longer. Guess how long I've been on you. Uh, Actually, and, yeah, and in a, and in a way, I just thought of this huh. now because you know huh. that that song Conga was written pre-rap 
Yep. It's not rap at all, but no. if you look, if you just take those like words the, and you say and you sing them, I mean, it, it's very rap sounding. Yeah, it's yep. almost more poetic than well, it is. Uh, it's like melodic. Latin, yeah. Latin rap. I mean, the prosody is Better, very. Whatever, you can hear. Yes. You, you can hear. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the pace of it. But it's yeah. but it's and internal. It. It's yes, like an, it was an instinct. You know, repetitive or something. You know. As genius as that was, I have to bring up the fact. So I, we saw it with my almost ten-year-old daughter last night, who was. Just beside her, she was so mm-hmm. happy. This was the dancing, the singing, the the outfits. The oh my gosh, she was great. She yeah. told me because we, you know, I prepared him a little bit. You know, I showed him a couple clips. The Miami Sound Machine. We did, you know, Alexa, please play Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> playing, she said, oh yeah, Kunga. They play that at all the bar mitzvahs. Yeah. Now. Yes. But yeah. the ironic thing was because it, it has such an amazing dance groove to it, it's and people love yeah. it now. Last night, we were watching the show, and it shows how back in the day, you guys had to earn your keep. You played some weddings and bar mitzvahs, right? The, Is that a real a real yeah, thing? Or? Well, there's a little yeah. bit of a, a gray area there. Yeah. We never played bar mitzvahs and weddings with Gloria. As I mean, a company, did you? Oh, yeah. We were much more interested in playing jazz and, and fusion jazz and music out of And college. our own music. We was right, yeah. The day yeah. in 1982 or three where we started to play pop music yeah. in the clubs... We felt like we were selling out. George had done it before, but because he had been through more musical history than some yeah. of us uh, mm-hmm. other was. But we wanted to play jazz. I never envisioned playing Latin salsa music for, as a career or anything like that. Or pop radio. Yeah, yeah. we wanted yeah. to play jazz. So we started playing pop music because we wanted gigs. Right. We wanted, where to the gigs? We wanted to get the money. We wanted to get Weddings. paid for what we did. Weddings so, and bar mitzvahs. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. of course, we went into that market in Miami to do clubs and uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, and all that as a band. Even if we had a pop gig, we would do, oh, Monday night is jazz night. Right. And we would go and play either original music or jazz stuff that was, you know, we created a big following for Monday nights. In Miami, and that's how yeah. you cut your teeth over a few years. Or yeah, yeah. People, people would come from all over to hear the band because we had such an interesting uh, setup, you know. Yeah. And it was a club called Raffles in North Miami Beach. Plenty of people in Miami, if they listen we to the podcast, will remember. Uh, but when we started working for Gloria... Emilio was no longer playing in the band, and it was a kind of a, a split to where we were hired to go do the big gigs. Right. And then us starting to produce, write, arrange, and do the records. Yeah. It started right away after that because they realized that they liked what we did. Because you wrote On Your Feet, right? George and I and, and yeah. John Defari, our guitar player. Uh, you guys wrote, wrote On Your Feet, which yeah, is one of the, your, another institution in pop yeah. music. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's and, interesting. And, yeah. and obviously what this is named after, the, the yeah. this great musical... I think it sort of says a lot of things about Gloria and the Miami Sound Machine to begin with. And it's also metaphorical for her recovery. It became and literally an anthem, getting on anthem her feet. in a way yeah. for her, yeah. Yeah. So how was that for you guys after doing the grind, making the money, playing the weddings, and then all of a sudden you have this freedom to write and to just be professional musicians. See, that's one of the things that, I don't know if we credit Gloria and Emilio, but they hired us as a unit that was already functioning really well. So we were hired as a rhythm section, as a band, and we already were writing together. We were already friends. We already knew each other really well. So it was a unit that was already kind of in place. Yeah. That's and they the came magic. in and heard us in the club. And Gloria was like, yeah. yes, I want these guys. Huh. You know, she saw that. So we saw it as a continuation of kind of what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We kind of thought this will be fun for a little while. 31 years later, yeah. I don't think anyone nah, could have talked nah, me nah. into that. 
I remember, I've always been the oldest because you always keep the same gap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are catching you know, up, younger. George. We were really desperately trying to make it big as, as a band. We had a lot of writers, you know, the, all these, everybody wrote a lot of stuff that was almost all over the place. What we needed was, was kind of solidify a style, you know, we knew that. And we did have some, some luck with some agents here and there, some legit people that really wanted to take us somewhere. And we'd been to New York a few times and faced yeah. the corporate saying, no, we don't yeah. want you guys, you're not ready. You know, it's okay. so difficult. It, yeah. It's really, really difficult to go there. You know what I mean? It, it's either by chance or it's either by, there's a lot of stuff involved. So at that time, when they came to see us at, at a club, we were kind of like, something's got to happen and something's got to happen soon as an energy, mm -hmm. as a band, because we've all been doing this, the club thing, and we've been developing and we've been shedding a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of skins, you know? And so we're, we're getting to this point, and pretty soon after that, people were going to start to go. I mean, I, I just started sensing that, like, well, we're going to go try it in L.A., which one of our guys, mm -hmm. even after he joined our band, John Defari, he moved to Los Angeles. So we, at that point... I saw it as, as a, this is a good thing, guys. Yeah, open because, door. Open, open door, door, because yeah. we, money-wise at the beginning, we were doing quite well in the, of course, money was different in those days, you know. $300 would take you for a long time, you know. <laughs> now, maybe day and a half. Anyway, we kind of knew that, okay, we don't know what this is going to be. And like Clay said, we may be here a little while, but it's going to be good. Then the next few years of your life, yeah, that, yeah. that was skyrocketed after 86. Yeah and, yeah. and the other part of that little element is that we, at the time you're going through stuff like that, you don't see it the same way we look. Like, But looking back on it, I see it really different as I did when I was doing it. Like, we were enjoying it, and we were playing pretty big gigs and we were yeah. writing music but it wasn't like we thought oh we've made it now we're celebrity we were never celebrities you know what i mean we didn't make it the way gloria did we were her band and we were still the same band that we were for all those years before now there's exceptions for instance when we were nominated for a grammy for producer of the year right we sat in the fourth row of the, the theater downtown in la yeah looking back on it yeah we felt like oh this could be cool we never thought we'd win, and we didn't, but, you know, we still were there. We were, like, nominated for it. And I remember we had yeah. no speech prepared. No. God bless Emilio if he would have had to make a speech in front of a, a TV audience for, yeah, you yeah. know, because he would have been, like, hysterical. But at the time you're going through it, you know, it's like, hey, this is cool. You don't really have the perspective that you do now. So, and, you know, winning. And I think that's a good thing. It's probably a good thing because yeah. a lot yeah, of people. you're always are, looking to the next Thing. Yeah, the, we the were next, just doing our gig, and you guys are musicians yeah. first. Yeah. We, we, we were just, you know? yeah. Yeah, I think as a, as a musician, it's probably different than as an actor. If you're an actor and you get nominated for an award, you're sort of expecting it as part of the package. You right. go and you do, yeah. and you're present. And you, but as a musician, it's pretty cool to like pull you from the other side behind of the, glass, the scenes. You know, exactly. And you're you're right. there in your tux, and it's exactly. You know. And the more Gloria got bigger, we all what we thought of ourselves individually, like a, each person and as a group. Like when we looked in, we were still the same people that were playing at the club. Yeah. I, mean, I always was that, but. But the we knew that the more that Gloria got famous, the better for us because we we're going to go with her. It's always been like that. That nucleus is with you on the road now. Well, there's later, five right? of us here, yeah, on, on the on the tour, yeah, and, and uh, we still enjoy it as much as we've ever enjoyed it. I mean, every, when we're done with every show, we feel like, yeah, we really got it. We got we got them to get us. <laughs> and, and who's yeah. the Timbali person in the middle? Edwin Bonilla. Yeah, he joined the band the in '92. Okay, he's not one of the five from 1986, but he joined shortly thereafter. Yeah. Right. And uh, he's been a, a constant element in the band uh, since then. I've always been so much in love with the marriage of the snare drum and the horn section, or, or the timbali. Mm -hmm. Some of those snare and timbali hits along with with, with, with the timbali. percussive element yeah. is so 
crisp. That with the groove underneath. That's typical, though. Those, just, those, it's, that's a Latin that's, thing. Yeah. That's authentic uh, Latin music. And, and it's rehearsed. The, it's really crisp and rehearsed, and you have to have yeah. it down. It's intentional, oh, yeah. And, yeah. It's, yeah. and it's stylistically crucial to getting the right you know, sound yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. And everybody understands that, so that's a priority no matter what, for sure. The middle of the musical, I'm looking at Ike now because he's, he's excited to see it in a couple <laughs> days, is The Crash. When I mean crash, this is the bus crash. Mm-hmm. And so I was in college. I remember it. Reading about it over the last couple of days and then seeing it on stage yesterday hit a different part of my brain. And I was, I was just amazed to see the resiliency, the recovery of Gloria and the whole team and her family, of course, which in and of itself is just a wonderful thing, no matter if you're a, a singer, a multi-platinum around the world or you're not. But I wanted to turn it to you guys and the actual moment. Were both of you on it? Or? Well, we were on a different bus that yeah. day, just to retrace it a little bit and, and to remember. We had two buses during that time, Gloria's entourage and her bus, and then the band bus. And the band bus was more crowded. So a lot of times George and I would ride with her and, right. and, the, and the entourage. We'd play cards, talk. I think we were riding with her pretty often. On that particular day, we rode with the band because the band was going to Syracuse to set up for the next concert. So you were not on the bus at that time. So we were on a different bus on that particular day. You you very well could have. Yeah, Yeah, it was just a day difference probably. I think we had an overnight ride to Syracuse that night. It was snowing and bad, and we probably slept. And when we got to Syracuse, I believe our road manager had a cell phone, which used to be like this big, and it was like one of those big, gigantic things. Yeah. And so he kind of knew what happened. And he said, guys, come to my room, uh, come to my room. And it was CNN was the news channel then, you know. It was the next day already, yeah. Yeah. And he said, come to my room, and he's explained everything and what happened. Because I think some people had seen it on the TV already and were calling us stuff. I didn't have a clue. We all went to his room. before sound check, he just yeah. he just said there's been an accident. His yeah. memory is better than mine. I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, well, I remember it makes that. Sense. <laughs> so basically, I'm sure it was a whirlwind time. You guys are like brothers and sisters by then. You're working together all the time. Yeah. One of your family is hurt. Not one. Um, I mean, well, the yeah. one. Because without her, we can't put. We can, that's it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so exactly, I just can't imagine what was going on. Yeah, I mean it was chaos, and we didn't know if she would survive for a little while. And they they said she'd be okay, but she had broken bones in her back. And we all went home pretty much right away. And George yeah. and I went back to New York, I think, to visit when after her surgery. Yeah, yeah. When she was recuperating. Yeah. When did you know this was more on hold rather than over? Well, Gloria is very. First of all, she's very athletic. She was in great shape, and she was at her best. And uh, she's very competitive. She doesn't. She doesn't go down easily. She never did, and she was always very diligent. Is that yeah. the right word? Diligent. Diligent. <laughs> You'll know what the joke is later in the show. But uh, she was always very dedicated. And if anyone could recover and do well again, we knew it would be her. But we didn't know the medical result and how it would turn out. Yeah, so no one did. It was very uh, up in the air for a while. We went home and we're like, who knows? Let's get some gigs. Let's yeah. do something. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. yeah. So you played. Well, um, no. We didn't play as a band as much, but I mean, what I'm saying is, uh, we need to need to find work. Emilio always was churning behind the scenes to create opportunities, and we were always involved in the opportunities, and, and we we're extremely grateful for all that. But it meant we could keep working in a way. We did other productions. We did uh, songs for the Evita soundtrack for Madonna and Jonathan Price and the whole um, yeah. thing there. Julio Iglesias things for, you know, I don't know, I don't know other, a lot of their projects and Emilio was always churning huh. in the background all kinds of things that's him he's always pointing to the next he's not going right. to stop they never had a, a big fight where Gloria said you did this to me you 
but it's expressive of how he was always pushing to do more and pushed her in a good way yeah back totally yeah totally he was the one at the american music awards absolutely yeah and, and i'm sure it was frustrating for her because when the play was written when the story was written with alex and larry's gloria was there all the time the filtering you know what i mean she would give him information i mean i don't know this for a fact but I know that they convened a lot because he wanted to get the right stuff. And, yeah, and, and, and she did too. She and she did yeah. too, and then he yeah. would come up with ideas, and she would come up with ideas, and I'm sure that, that whole creator, yeah. because I think the script is brilliant. And to be honest, when this first started, yeah. our jadeness and our thing about, yeah. oh, okay, here we go, Broadway, here we yeah. go, story, here we go, blah, 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 we yeah. got to appeal to everybody. We were both, wink, wink, you know, on the side yeah. saying, well, I hope this is okay, but I'm sure we're going to get that script and we're going to vomit. Because yeah. <laughs> Your antennas were because, up. Yeah, I mean, we're, I looked yeah. like I said, well, if they pull this off, man, this is like, yeah, this, it's great. Yeah, yeah well, that's, we a, start... that's a hard job as a writer, I would think, yeah. to write a story, oh, yeah. you know, that you're going to perform your yeah. life story here. You know, it's it's easier to be writing the one about Buddy Holly. or Yeah, Elvis. of yeah. course. Not and then, all, and then all her back. songs telling the story. <laughs> yeah. Actually, her lyrics, it was like a premonition. Everything that happened to her, it's explained through stuff that she wrote before. I think that's, though, in great credit to Alex because it yeah. seems that way. Because yeah. he used the songs to tell the story, not in chronological order, yeah, but he used true. songs that would help him tell the story out of place completely. And then he would integrate the story. He would use, he would create storylines to support that. She's a great storyteller in her songs, and that comes out in the way that they're used in the musical, which I give a lot of credit to Alex for that. Like, Anything For You mm. was written in 1987. That was one of the big That's such ballads. a great, yes. such a great ballad. I listened yeah, to that, that was song, our first so recording. The, in, in the musical, it's shown in the musical early in the play, to depict a scene which is from 1979 yeah. when they first started yeah. or 74 yeah, I don't know even, even earlier even earlier know. when they first started like gathering with Gloria and Emilio in the garage to rehearse right. with Gloria right Alex Stilinaris used that song to tell the story about how her grandmother would do anything for her if she would just tell, you know yeah, yeah that's brilliant just yeah. to tie that in yeah. there I thought wow you know it what really are we saying even if yeah. it's not true who cares it no, you get poetic matter. license to move the songs yeah. around as long yeah. as the songs aren't too time specific you know and like another you probably I, I bet the song sex in the 90s probably didn't make it into the show no <laughs> for no. example <laughs> which is a really fun song all the songs are put out of place chronologically but for instance tradition which is a story about the cuban tradition of their, mm. what you know their music and their traditions are all about and how they carry them forward into other cultures is used early in the play but it was from a record from from 1993 is this a spanish language song yeah yeah it, although it's in english uh, parts of it are in english for the play okay did any so, of the other Spanish songs, like Mi Tierra, is that in there? Yes, yeah. and it's done, again, there's some English lyrics that are interjected into that yeah. as well for the story. Oh, interesting. Uh, and one of the most beautiful things was just sitting on the bed with her dad with, her with dad, multiple yeah. sclerosis and yeah. at the end. And just she talks about in one of the interviews in, in Gloria, one of, the, one of the aspects of that poignant part of her life is that she would literally cry and sit by her father yeah. and write music or play music. Music was always her therapy, her yeah. her way of dealing with her, you know, her feelings, which is beautiful. And she never wanted to be a star. Do you have a perspective of that crossing over, I'll use the term, mm-hmm. in a different way, to stardom? Absolutely. When we came on the scene, she was already, you know, becoming quite well known, of course. In, in Latin world. America. In Latin America. Right. And a little bit in, in the United States from Dr. Beat and England. Uh, she was clearly already becoming well known. 
but she wasn't really that comfortable with the idea for years. She wasn't comfortable in, in that star role on stage or anywhere else, really. And it took a number of years for her, her to feel like, I think it was 1991 or two, where I saw videos from now looking, again, looking in the retrospect, mm -hmm. where I see her and I go, now she really, really is comfortable mm. on stage with us in the center of attention, interacting with us and the crowd as yeah. a truly comfortable uh, center of attention. And I remember meeting her the very first time she came, I, I actually went with a band member to her doorstep to pick up something that the guy needed. And she came to the door in her gym outfit, her, her, her sweats and her things, and you know, didn't even kind of know who it was. It's, you know, it, no makeup, no, I was like, nice to meet you. And there was no real sense of star celebrity thing from her. She never gives that off to you the way other people do. Even now, she's extremely open and inviting. But I think that with more popularity, fame, and that role, like you said, being the center of attention, comes responsibility. You can see that there's such a genuine person behind this. She feels very deeply about this story and about the Cuban-American story. Absolutely. And so... With Hamilton, for instance, it was the first time in years people from all walks of life are in theater. Mm -hmm. Now, do you sense that there's this uh, strong presence of not only Cuban-Americans, but Latina-Americans? I think so, but, but for me, I expected more of, the, of that. Uh -huh. I think we're getting everyone, a, a big splash of everything. A lot of it is because there's ticket holders, uh, theaters, crowds, and things. It's, it's a little different than concerts. Uh, so all that has come into it. But I at first thought that. I, I at first thought, oh, you would go to New York. Oh my! The first thing I thought of, all the Latin. I mean, New York is like all Latins, you know, kind of thing. Oh, it's the same with Hamilton. It's Hamilton's another racial, racial political. How about it? I mean, that's that's right there. And that hit a nerve. And that's, and that's a brilliant play and, and musical and all that. But you're right. 98% of the audience is probably the, you know, white theater. It's not going to be yeah, yeah. Um, African-Americans. More, I mean, it's, it's it's right across the board, you know, and, and, and that's why that theater has a voice. I think it's true that we have that in places like, for instance, Philadelphia. We did fantastic in Philadelphia. Miami, of course, so I, I don't know. I think there's hmm. something to be seen, said for this because there's clearly a direction, and I don't think you reverse that direction. And the direction is this. I think that now the opportunity for... Uh, people to, to express their cultures in, in Broadway and on, on drama stages and in music is more open than it was before. And the direction is part of the mission. You know, and I'm a guy from Colorado from a German background, you know, another type of immigrant, but a long time ago. But I relate to this a lot because my wife is Cuban-American. Mm. My friends in Miami have all expressed to me what, it's, what this thing is about to them. And I've heard the stories that have a hundred yeah. times that are in the play. And yeah, my wife says, Oh my God, that's yeah, that's the family. story of my life. And I'm being, Cuban. Yeah. To get, so so, yeah. so yeah. the cast of our play is 98% uh, Latino, mm -hmm. Latina. Mm -hmm. And it's a mission for Gloria and Emilio and the cast and crew to make sure that it's expressed with authenticity, with meaningfulness, that immigrants from everywhere can understand that idea. Yeah. And Alex, again, his writing expresses that. No matter where you're from... And that direction, I hope, opens doors. And I think it's, even though we expected maybe more response from the Latino the crowds, I mean, the response is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we do our shows, I think there's a lot more Latino and, and culturally mixed 
uh, yeah. people that come to the shows yeah. than would come to see uh, other shows, as well as Hamilton. You go into Hamilton, and you do see a very, very supportive uh, crowd from the African-American culture. Uh, what was the Oprah Winfrey? Uh, uh, Color Purple. Color yeah, Purple. Yeah. I mean, clearly, yeah. it's it opens the doors for cultures that are not typically on Broadway. So I yeah. think that direction is irreversible, and I hope it continues. Yeah, and I think this is really a moment in time, and I, I think it's there's a reason why. I was in New York a couple of days ago, and I saw Once on this Island is back on Broadway, and mm-hmm. there's a reason why that show has come back after almost 20 years. You know, this is the mm-hmm. time for another show with, you know, Caribbean sounds and uh-huh. a yeah. you know, Latino cast that it's, you know, it's really nice to see sort of the evolution of Broadway because, mm-hmm. you know, Broadway changes a lot over the years and it's not all about show tunes anymore. Clearly, the music from Hamilton is a, it's a departure from the past of Broadway and that's beautiful, you know. Uh, the Hamilton Theater was right next to ours in, in mm. the Marquee and we mm. have all our friends are in that show and all our friends are in our show and we had parties together and it was like a very communal, mm. it was a mission. There's a mission going on. And that is to make sure that the, the culture and the backgrounds of our personnel are represented. I just wish they stopped taking our actors. Yeah. <laughs> they took a few <laughs> Were they more poaching people. from you? Yeah, they yeah. poached yeah. a couple of people. We have they people poach, in the Chicago. They poach our actors and then yes. they'll go over there. Right. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're, that's, a, that's like an offer you can't refuse, though. Think about this. Yeah. Think about that's this. A Puerto Rican writer, producer, director, and all that, and very different culture uh, people who created that show. And it's seen as an African-American representation because they chose people with different color skin and they rewrote the story to represent the entire immigrant story and the African-American story as well. And they rewrote the story with different different intentions. I think that's a great that's why it's become so successful. And our yeah, show has, to has some of that, too, for sure. Yeah. We, the African-American music, the blues, the rap, the, that kind of thing, and the, and the Latin American music, the happy so-and-so, it's the same Africans. Right. They just went to different places. It's Afro-American and it's Afro-Cuban. So, and not always uh, the, willingly. The, no, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> okay, the, that's the very rarely the new, the new play, then. Yeah. The same Africans. Yes. The same. We should, we should join with Lynn. Let's talk to him. I, I assume the rhythm is going to get you is in the show. Yeah. Uh, so who who gets to do the call and response at the at the beginning? Oh, right. the, sing, the, the singers band. and actors. They uh, do it. Gloria, the, band, the band doesn't get to do that. No, we don't sing. Yeah. We don't sing. But okay. we do it like without mics. We yeah. Just yeah. Kinda, yeah. No, we're, we're yeah. that's a different union. Yeah. So to yeah, speak. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the there's a singer and a and a dancer that do the call, and then the cast does the oh, response yeah. at the beginning yeah. of the show. Yeah. On your feet. Clay and George, thank you guys so much for being here. The name on your feet says so much about the show, but it, it, it says a lot about Miami Sign Machine, how you guys have stayed literally on your feet for 30 some odd years. The history, the perspective of that, along with the current musical, uh, as you guys become now new veterans in in the musical world too, <laughs> is fascinating. So thanks for your time and, and uh, the discussion. Thanks for having us. Thank you, yeah, we're just great.
Okay, so you remember when I told you that after we met with the president and did the show, we could take the bus straight up to Syracuse? Yeah, we can't take the bus straight up to Syracuse. Emilio. We just got invited to a private dinner for Sony. No, when? Tomorrow night. We head to New York right after the show. Look, it's my one night off and I'm exhausted. I can't even... Just tell them we can't go. Baby, listen, it's too big. We have to at least make an appearance. You're gonna make me go. Lori. I'm gonna make you go. I hate you. I know. I love you. I know. I'd like to thank Clay Oswald and George Casas for joining us today at the Boston Opera House. Their perspective on the Miami Sound Machine and the history that contributes to this great musical On Your Feet was a real treat for us. I saw the musical with my family. It blew me away. I was literally, I have to say, on my feet at the end. We were dancing in the aisles and the music was fantastic. Check out On Your Feet through April 29th, 2018. And while you're at it, you can go to boston.broadway.com for all of the awesome shows coming up in the 2018 19 season. Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can join us on Patreon, sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. On behalf of Vike and myself and Chuck, thanks for listening. Tell your friends and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique.